Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. So let's turn to Acts chapter 8. In verse 1 it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. Now, of course, when it says Saul was consenting unto his death, it's referring back to those events of the previous chapter where Stephen is before the council and he preaches that that sermon. He relates Israel's history, uh, how how he uses uh, especially two examples, uh, uses um, Moses as, as one of those examples, Joseph as an example as well of how these these men that God had sent were rejected at first and then later became the deliverers of Israel. And of course, he relates that to the Lord Jesus Christ and how, you know, here where we're at in the book of Acts, the, the Lord Jesus Christ has been rejected. He's been crucified. He's, he's risen. And now these, these disciples are out preaching uh, about that and really calling, to, calling Israel to repentance for killing their Messiah. And uh, their message is a, a message of repentance and, and a message of water baptism. And so in that last chapter, as Stephen stood there before the council, um, he, it, when he preached his message, it said that they were cut to the heart, um, meaning not that his message persuaded them, or if you remember on the day of Pentecost, it said they were pricked in their heart, and they said, men and brethren, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Um, here, if you look back, uh, for instance, chapter 7, verse 54, it says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. And so his message touches their heart, but not in a positive way. And uh, they they want to kill him and they do kill him. And it, it says there, um, as they are stoning Stephen, uh, it says in verse 58, it says, they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And then that's the same Saul in chapter 8, verse 1, that it says Saul was consenting unto his death. And this Saul, the, at the end of chapter 7, beginning of chapter 8, this is the first time we've been introduced to this Saul. And this is the same Saul who later will be converted to Christ and be called Paul. And But you see here, uh, he's, he's certainly not a saint. Here he's the chief persecutor of those believers. And here of, of Stephen in particular, and here in the beginning verses of chapter 8 of that kingdom church at Jerusalem. Chapter 8, verse 1, again, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And, and so Saul, it says there that he made havoc of the church. The, the situation with that, that growing church there at Jerusalem would be uh, similar to the situation that many Christians are in around the world today, 
where uh, you know there's a there's a great persecution against them, and Saul here is is the one leading that. Um, if you if you compare, for instance, go just go over one chapter to Acts chapter nine. At the beginning of Acts chapter nine, it, it again describes Saul here, and it, and it says, "And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord." went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now, you notice there, uh, they, aren't, they aren't just sending him out to do it. He goes to them and says, hey, I want to do this. Give me, give me permission to go and do it. Give me the authorization. Um, if you go over to uh, Acts chapter 26, this is one of the passages where... Paul, Saul, is giving his testimony, and he describes kind of kind of why he was doing what he was doing. Um, he says in verse 9, Acts 26, verse 9, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Uh, he says, I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them, even unto strange cities. And uh, you see there how he says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Remember, Christ had told his disciples that the time was going to come when if somebody killed them, they would think they were doing God's service. He's not doing these things. Saul isn't doing these things because in his mind that he, that he hates God and, and you know, wants, to, wants to oppose this. He thinks he's serving God by doing that. Okay, so so it's one thing, you know, you think about various various persecution uh, of of Christians. Some of the accounts, for instance, of the the shooting several years ago in in uh, Colorado with uh, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Uh, they they uh, shot shot the school there, or shot up the school um, in Columbine. Now they didn't think they were doing God's service by doing that. They you know they hated the idea of God, okay? And there's even accounts that, you know, they asked one girl if she was a Christian, and when she said she was, that, that uh, that's when they shot her. Now, that's a, that's a dangerous thing, but when you consider, for instance, some of the, some of the Muslim persecution against Christians, where they, they do it with a religious fervor, where they believe they're serving their God, you see, that's, that's the kind of attitude that Saul had toward these believers in Jesus Christ, okay? And he believes he's doing God's service. He, in, in fact, he uh, talks about this in one of the places where he talks about his, his credentials under the law. He, he gives that as one of, the, one of the examples of his zeal, the zeal that he had that he was persecuting the church. He wasn't somebody who just, just complained about these believers in Jesus, which I'm sure many of, of the... Uh, Jews in their synagogues and things were complaining about, right, as people were being turned to Christ. He didn't just complain about it. He had the zeal to go out and do something about it, okay? And, and he felt he was doing God's service. And if we go back to our, our text in Acts chapter 8, uh, so he's looking for any way to, to uh, oppose these people that are, 
believing on Jesus as the Messiah. And at this time, primarily, these believers are, are within Judaism. Uh, you see how he said he, he punished them in the synagogues, because that's that's where, I mean, Christianity as some, something separate from Judaism or Gentile Christianity really isn't in existence here at this point. And uh, so he's... He's going around trying to protect the purity of, of his Jewish tradition by finding ways to, to persecute these people. He, he said there that he um, was compelling them to blaspheme. And if you remember, that's how, that's how they condemned Jesus Christ as well, is they would, they would question him to try and get him to say something that they could portray as blasphemy. Not that it was really blasphemy, but, you know, if they could get him to say that he was the son of God, see, then that would be blasphemy and they could say under the law they could, they could kill him. That's what he's doing with people here is trying to get them to, to affirm uh, things like the, the deity of Christ so that under, under Jewish law and under their tradition, they would have grounds to put them to death. And it mentions in, in those passages that he was giving his voice against them. So then he's also the one that's testifying against them. He testified here against Stephen. And, and it says he was consenting unto his death back in our text in Acts 8, verse 1. Uh, Saul, at this point, um, he, he is he's somebody within Judaism. Okay, uh, He's either, there's no place in Scripture where it says specifically that he was a member of the council of the Sanhedrin. But if they have to get his consent to stone Stephen, he's somebody important. And, and of course, Saul relates, or Paul relates, how he excelled above many of his equals, right? I mean, he, he, was, he was the overachiever in Judaism. Uh, if you read through some of Paul's credentials that he gives, um, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And Gamaliel, that, that name maybe doesn't mean very much to us, but Gamaliel to this day is considered to be one of the most important rabbis in all of, of Jewish history, and Paul learned from him directly. So, you know, Jews today study the writings of Gamaliel, and, you know, there's a, there's a few rabbis that would be considered maybe even, even higher than Gamaliel, but, for instance, Hillel was, I, I believe, Gamaliel's grandfather. Right. So uh, and Hillel, uh, a lot of universities have a Hillel house. And that's sort of like the, the Jewish student union there at the university, uh, named after after uh, Gamaliel's grandfather or great grandfather. Uh, and so Paul learned directly from him. And he had this zeal where he he excelled above the other students and, you know, and other people. And, and you see that here as he is persecuting the church so much so that it says that they were scattered. So back in Acts chapter 2, you see, you see uh, Peter and the Twelve preaching at Jerusalem, right, on the day of Pentecost. And the way that, that these, this kingdom church begins to spread is because of this persecution, they get out of those areas and they go out to other places. So here it says that they, they went throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, okay? And Judea and Samaria, if you look at a map, um, those are those are areas close to Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem 
if you if you remember the history of the nation of Israel, they were split after the time of King Solomon. Uh, the nation was split into two kingdoms, and you had Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And Judea would be the area kind of to the south of Jerusalem that is the the um, most prominent region of that southern kingdom of Judah. In fact, the, the name is really derived from the same words, the tribe of Judah, Judah, Judea. Uh, Samaria would be the region kind of to the north of Jerusalem, um, which would have been the prominent region of that northern kingdom. Okay, And so they, they go out into these areas. Now, it, it says that as they go out, as they're scattered, they go through these these regions of Judea and Samaria. Notice it says, except the apostles. The apostles remain there at Jerusalem. Now, if you go and read church tradition, they have the apostles going out all, all over the world. They say Thomas went into India, that Peter went into Rome, and of course the Roman church claims him as, as the first pope. And they have these disciples going out all over the world. But as far as the biblical record, um, when when you get to the end of the biblical account, you, you see them maybe taking little excursions away from Jerusalem, but you don't really see the apostles getting out past, you know, past Jerusalem uh, as far as their, their base of operations. Um, and, and Jerusalem was very important. Now, get a couple of passages for us to compare. Go to Acts chapter 11. Because I think much of the... Much of the professing church today would look at this account and they would say, look, you know, the, there the message already is starting to go out to the Gentiles. But notice here in Acts chapter 11, in verse 19, it says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch. Now that's well beyond Judea and Samaria, right? So now they're up into Antioch, is up in, in Syria. Uh, you see it says uh, they spake unto the under the Grecians, which would be not necessarily people in Greece, but it would be Greek-speaking people of, of the uh, the Roman Empire. Um, but they go to, to Phoenice, Cyprus, right? So they're getting they're getting out of just Israel. But notice what it says: they were preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Now, if you don't understand some things about the progression of events here, that can be a confusing statement when you get to Acts chapter eleven. That they were preaching to none but to the Jews only. I mean, didn't when Christ commissioned them in the Great Commission, didn't he tell them to go and preach to every creature? Um, why why are they still here? We are Acts chapter eleven, almost halfway through the book of Acts, and they're they're out in these Gentile nations, but they aren't preaching to the Gentiles. They're only speaking to the Jews. Well, let's let's go look at those when Christ commissioned them. Go, I want you to go, first of all, to Matthew chapter, go to chapter 10 of Matthew. Because what, what people refer to as the Great Commission at the end of Matthew and at the end of Mark, okay, um, what people refer to as the Great Commission is, is not some new thing that, that came out of the blue after the resurrection of Christ. It's really a continuation of the commission that Christ gave to the disciples back here in Matthew chapter 10. And uh, if, you, if you look at, for instance, um, it lists the 12 apostles in verses 2, 3, 4. In verse 5, it says, These 12 Jesus sent forth 
and commanded them, saying, Go not into any way of the or go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, when Christ was on earth, and uh, people, you know, you can think about the the uh, Canaanite woman that comes to Christ, uh, the Samaritan woman that comes to Christ, and he says things like, "I'm not sent but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel." Christ's ministry on earth, Christ's earthly ministry, was not focused on you and I as Gentiles. It was focused on Israel, just as the whole Old Testament is focused on Israel, right? Now, that doesn't mean that God was excluding anybody. In fact, you see many cases where Christ blessed Gentiles, healed Gentiles, uh, and, and certainly indicated that Gentiles were saved and had eternal life. But God was working in a way where blessing came to those Gentiles through Israel. Um, in the in the uh, Psalms, for instance, it talks about a you know a table that God had set for Israel, and and uh, it talks about a you know a, a, a cup that flows over. God God's design was to bless Israel in such a way that blessing would flow through them to the Gentiles. Okay, and so the Gentiles that Christ dealt with in His earthly ministry, first of all, they came to Christ; He didn't go to them because he wasn't sent to them. And always in some way you see them recognizing their place as, as being under Israel. Okay, That's the way God was dealing at that time. Now it's important to understand that's not the way God's dealing with man today. But that's how he was dealing with them at that time. So when he sends these disciples out at first, he, he tells them specifically, do not go to Gentiles and don't go to the Samaritans. He says, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and you see there, he, he tells them to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. He gives them power to, to perform miracles. Um, he, he instructs them, uh, for instance, in verse 11, into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. Right. So, you know, he gives them some instructions for how to carry out this ministry that he's sending them out on. And he warns them about the persecution that's going to come. Verse 16, he says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Um, verse 21 says, The brother shall deliver up brother to death, the father the child. The children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And he shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And now that persecution against the disciples you don't really see that during the time of Christ's earthly ministry. He's, he's warned, they don't understand at this point that he's going to die and rise again and ascend, you know, and be absent for a while. They don't understand how the, all that fits together here at this point. But certainly the things he's describing here are not things that, that took place during his earthly ministry. They, they begin to take place here in the book of Acts. You see, and so this commission is not just a, a very short-term commission for those few years of his earthly ministry. And, and what's going on here is, you know, these disciples uh, have started to follow with Christ. He's taught them, 
And here he's sending them out. Later they all come back together and are, are together again. But, but again, some of these things he's warning about hadn't happened yet at that point. And notice the instruction he gives in verse 23. He says, but when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Now that's, a, that's an interesting statement that sheds a lot of light on what the progression of events was going to be here. So, so he tells them, you know, endure the persecution in one city, go to the next one. Right? If one city rejects you, go to the next city. But he says, you're not going to finish with all of the cities of Israel until the Son of Man become. Okay? And they go out and they begin to operate under this, under this commission. Now later they, they come back together, you know, and there's things that happen like the disciples out on their own uh, couldn't, couldn't cast devils out of some people. And then they come back to Christ and they're like, well, why couldn't we cast them out? You know, and, and Christ gives them more instruction. But, but all of this is, is, really, um, is really foreshadowing something even beyond all of that that began to take place here in the book of Acts. And that really, when it says, till the Son of Man be come, um, I take that to be a reference to the second coming of Christ. So you, when you study some of these things, you have to sort of Treat, treat it like the dispensation of grace doesn't exist. Treat it like we don't understand any of the things that we get later in Paul's epistles, if you want to understand the order of the prophetic events. And the order here is that they're, they're going to go out. At first, they're not going to go to anybody but the Jews only. There's going to be persecution. And they aren't going to finish that ministry to the lost sheep of the house of Israel until the second coming of Christ. Okay. Now, when you get to what's often called the Great Commission, and, and this is what most of the professing church is trying to fulfill in their ministry. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 28. You shouldn't, you shouldn't view what most of the church is doing is they're taking this commission in Matthew 28, and they're treating it as some new thing that, that does away with what had been previous, and that this is the commission then to go out to the Gentiles. If you take it that way, there's a lot of things in the book of Acts that don't make any sense, like the verse we just looked at that said they're preaching to the Jews only. Um, like why it's such a controversial thing when Peter goes to a Gentile in Acts chapter 10, and he even has to go and, and justify his actions before other believers because they're offended that he would go to a Gentile. You know, If, if this commission in Matthew 28 is telling them, right now go out to all the Gentiles, those things don't make sense. But let's look at what it says there in Matthew 28, and then, and then uh, also if you want to, if you want to get ahead, we're going to compare that with Acts chapter one, verse eight. But at the end of of Matthew 28, verse 18, it says Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, "Now this is after his resurrection, right? He says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost." Verse 20 teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so you see those verses on banners and the front of church buildings, uh, especially if they're having a mission conference or, or something like that. Okay, but, but realize Matthew's account is not the only account of that commission. The reason they use the Matthew one is it, it contains the least controversial things. Uh, for instance, if you were to read Mark's account of that Great Commission, 
he tells them to cast out devils. He tells them that they'll be able to take up serpents and they won't hurt them. That's the verses that the, the snake handling churches down south use. Um, and he tells them that they can drink poison and it won't hurt them, right? But those things are a little bit too weird. So we'll just focus on the Matthew one, not the Mark one. Or, or more often what they do is they say, oh, those last few verses of the book of Mark, they don't belong in the Bible anyway. And so we'll just find a Bible that'll take them out. Okay. Um, but, but I want you to turn over to the book of Acts because Acts chapter 1 also records this commission. Okay. Acts chapter 1. This is just before Christ's ascension. And the reason you'll have multiple accounts of one event like this is each one will bring in different details that the others don't. And the Acts account, Luke's account here in Acts, of this commission is very helpful for us with regard to some of these things we're looking at. Verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and notice ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, there's an order there in that verse. Uh, for one thing, they're going to have to wait for the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost comes on the day of Pentecost. But you see the order is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost part of the earth. So certainly the, the instructions Christ gives before his ascension informs them they're going to be going out to the uttermost part of the earth eventually. But when you, when you take out the dispensation of the grace of God and you look at the layout of, of prophetic events, you don't see widespread Gentile ministry until you get to the time after the second coming of Christ. That's when uh, Isaiah records the, the Gentiles bringing their riches to, to uh, Jerusalem. That's when you see this, you know, this uh, message of the kingdom here going out to the Gentiles. And so when these believers in early Acts are going out and they're speaking to none but to the Jews only, that's not, that's not latent racism on their part. I mean, there may have been some of those things involved. Certainly there are many, many Jews who had sort of a racist view toward Gentiles. Um, and, and certainly through history, there have been many Gentiles who have been happy to reciprocate mm -hmm. that view. Um, but they're really following the instructions they should be following there, right? The disciples or the apostles at this point are staying at Jerusalem. There's still a ministry to be done there. They start to spread out into Judea and Samaria. By the time you get to Acts chapter 11, they're out in these other places. But even so, they're still, they're still speaking to the Jews. They haven't reached the nation of Israel yet. Okay. And um, so, so go back to our text in, in Acts chapter 8. What's, what's going on here with this persecution is not something that was unexpected, right? Christ told them about it all the way back in Matthew chapter 10 when he first commissions them. It's not something that was unexpected. It's not something that's really contrary to the plan. And in fact, in, in some ways, it's, it's fulfilling the plan, right? Because the persecution, they start out at Jerusalem, the persecution forces them to start to go out into these, into these other areas to speak to these Jews who haven't heard yet about Jesus Christ. 
They don't know uh, about the events that had taken place with his death and burial and resurrection. Because all that's going on here in the early chapters of the book of Acts is it's a call to Israel to repent, to believe on their Messiah. They've rejected him, but they have a, they have a, a chance to repent and believe on him. And they're, they're fulfilling the, the very things that Christ foretold would happen, and they're fulfilling that, that plan of God. They begin to go out into these other areas, and they're preaching the word. They're getting that word out. They're calling Israel to repentance. And if you keep those things in mind as you, as you study the book of Acts, it avoids a lot of the confusion. The, the book of Acts, possibly possibly more than any other book in the Bible, is a, a place that creates a lot of confusion because people are trying to take the events of early Acts and somehow recreate them today, or they're trying to, to uh, fulfill those things. Do You hear people say, we, we need to get back to Pentecost. Right? We don't need to get back to Pentecost. We need to realize God's doing something different today, and you can't fulfill the things they were doing back there on Pentecost because you're in a different program today. There's something different going on. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.